Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. We are just a few short weeks away from launching the 2020 Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Joining us today is Emil Gallardo. He is the director of the incredibly gripping short film, One, Two, Three, All Eyes on Me. You can see his short film as the part of the Her Story block, which will be available at LADFF.com starting August 4th. Emil, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Tell the audience about your film, One, Two, Three, All Eyes on Me. Well, so it's first a, a very intense film. It came from just feeling like, like we weren't doing enough as a country. And I didn't feel like that was due to a lack of awareness or even other films. I mean, obviously, we're aware um, that mass shootings happen, some of which are at schools. But what I felt like was missing was the emotional understanding that people needed to, I don't know, to change things. And, and what I mean by that is, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I saw Saving Private Ryan years and years ago, you know, that opening scene where the gate on the boat comes down and all the soldiers run out and then they just start getting blown up left and right as they're running onto the beach. Right. Made me understand how chaotic, how random, how ridiculous, how unjust, how brutal war was. It, it, it wasn't this glamorized heroic thing it wasn't like it just felt chaotic and horrible and and it gave me an, an emotional understanding of what that situation was like without having to actually be there and i felt like i wanted to do something similar for these situations i wanted people without ever having to be in one of these or even know someone to put them in the classroom and make them feel what it what this teacher is going through and through that understanding really sense how wrong this is with the hope that some change would come from that. Yeah, well, and you you pull it off quite masterfully. It is a diff, a very difficult watch, but I, I would say a very necessary watch. And I can imagine that this, you know, was a hard a hard movie to make. Not not just even the production of it, but it must have been a hard movie to decide to make. You know, knowing that you're going to be exploring a very dark subject matter. How did you decide? Okay, this is this is going to be my next film to dive into this very very important subject. Yeah. I mean, so first I think you're extremely accurate in that this was, I mean, to write anything and then to direct it, you know, my process is very much about putting myself there emotionally. So yeah, I'm kind of, and then in the research phase, which was pretty decent for this, I'm listening to 911 calls. I'm interviewing teachers. I'm looking up school protocols for handling lockdown situations. One of the teachers I interviewed was in the lockdown situation. So yeah, I'm like kind of immersing myself in this world just to be able to write it and then to cast it and all the rehearsals. So it, it was a hard process and not fun a lot of the time. I mean, you're thinking about some of the worst stuff possible, mm -hmm. but it felt important to make and it felt like the the next film I needed to make 
just because, I mean, so to back up a step, so my mom was a teacher for 30 years. So that's just kind of the backdrop. I, I always have had a lot of respect for teachers, but I saw this cell phone video that was filmed in Mexico, actually, and there's guys shooting at each other directly outside this school and in the video, and the video is only maybe a minute, minute and a half long, but you see this teacher and she has like elementary school age kids and she gets them to lay down on the floor and she's down on the ground with them and she starts singing to them and she asks them, will you please sing with me? And as they're, they're you know, they're, they're scared and they're kind of crying and she's like, no, 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 ninos, ninos, like sing with me, sing with me. And so as they're singing with her, like you're hearing gunshots in the background. Wow. And I just remember watching this thing and I'm like, who is this person? Like she, she's so incredible. Like her courage, her compassion, you know, how dedicated she is to her job and to her students. And she's not only trying to protect them physically, but at this point, what we're watching is she's also trying to protect them emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I need to tell a story about somebody like that. And so that was kind of, that was the spark that I'm like, I I, want to make this story, but I want to make it from this teacher's perspective. And I, and I want to show how, you know, she starts off completely committed, completely vibrant. And then this situation is totally devastating and totally overwhelming to her. When all the things kind of come together, there's that feeling inside when you're like, I'm going to make this no matter what. And, yeah. And that was the feeling I got. And, and then we did. And it's, it's really, you know, as you were talking about earlier, to put the audience in that classroom is really tough because, you know, you, you kind of see all the, the normal day-to-day difficulties of, <laughs> you know, what this teacher has to right. go through. You know, the teachers already have a tough job, right. which is sad and true. Now teachers are kind of like have this additional responsibility of protecting the kids from something that we see far too often, which is mass shootings. So you perfectly illustrated, it is a beautiful ode to teachers and all that they do, not just this um, this dark time. Well, first, thank you. I think the beginning part of the film came about because as I was interviewing the teachers, one of the questions I had written down was, what is the one thing beyond the story? Like, I didn't even get into the plot with some of the people I spoke with. But it was like, what is the one thing that I need to capture so that you feel like this is an accurate representation of you and your day? Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is, regardless of the teachers that I spoke with, and like th- none of them were related or knew one another, they all said the same thing. Our job is really hard every day. Kids come in, they're tired, some might be hungry, some might be really excited, some might be sad. We have our agenda of what we want to teach them in that day, but inevitably something or multiple things come up throughout our day that just make every day really challenging. So I never see that in movies. In movies, the kids are smiling, and and when you tell them to sit down, 100% of them sit down, and they're quiet when they're told to be. Like, that is not what it's like. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So I hear this from different teachers, literally. One, I spoke to one on the East Coast, one in LA, and I'm like, they're saying the exact same thing. They've never even met. <laughs> so like, I need to do that. Like, that was my experience. That is their experience. I, I, I need that to be represented. And that's been rewarded by teachers who have seen the film in different festivals saying like, wow, like, I, I really felt like you captured what this is like. So I think that's where that came from. The performance by your lead, Pharrell Walker, is she's just jaw dropping. She's incredible. But also the performances that you get out of these young actors, you you know, are just, they're just heartbreaking. Talk to us about your process with working with these kids. So we filmed this in Oakland and I've lived up here about eight years now. I'm originally from LA. But what I quickly discovered in the Bay Area is that if you are trying to cast people of color, 
it is very difficult sometimes. Mm. And so, and I already knew that before Derek and I, my writing partner, wrote this script. And it was a conscious decision to make the cast primarily Latino. And I knew that that was, and I was like, when I wrote the script, I'm like, how am I ever going to get a school to agree to let me make this there? And how am I ever going right. to get enough parents? And how am I ever going to get enough Latinx kids? Because this, the pool is very small. Yeah. And so we realized quickly, like, they're not going to be actors. That's the answer. It's, there's no shortage of like Latinos and Latinas here, but just in terms of actors, there is. So that we're like, okay, that's, they're not going to be actors. And so what we ended up with was 20 kids, 10 boys, 10 girls, which was the plan, but 18 of them had never acted before. And so we knew we were just going to have to spend a lot of time getting them comfortable. Kind of, we, we did a whole rundown on like, you know, when the camera's near you, or even when the camera's not near you, don't look into the lens. Right, right. <laughs> you know, just like, here's a mark, you know, this, that's when we say back to one, it means go back to your first position. All the like things that a lot of times we take for granted as filmmakers working with actors, like none of that stuff was an option to us. So that was kind of the logistical side of things. On the emotional side of things, we had two rehearsal days. I mean, I could literally talk about this for an hour. I, I just taught a class on all the things that we did working with kids in this film. But it kind of boils down to we first created an environment of trust yeah. where they knew me, they knew Pharrell, they saw Pharrell as an authority figure, which we kind of built that into the rehearsals. Like I would have Pharrell lead a lot of the exercises so they could start to associate her with someone that they listened to. That's very smart. So we did that. And then what we would do every morning with the entire cast and crew and so we're talking like 40, 45 people. We form one big circle. And then I would pick the theme of the day, like the emotional kind of tone of that day. And we would do this sound and gesture exercise. So for example, the first day was just a painting day. So I'm like, okay, uh, we're going to do a sound and gesture around fun. And so I would kick it off and I would make some funny noise and I would make some gesture that represented fun. And then everybody else, so imagine like 44 other people <laughs> would then do the same thing. And then we would go to the next person. And I think what that did is it quickly broke down the barriers between all of us. Like we were one big team and you have an eight-year-old standing across from a 30-year-old, but they're doing the same thing. And so it just made everybody feel approachable. And so we did a bunch of stuff like that to kind of create this atmosphere of safety and trust. And they knew that they could be vulnerable. And that was leading up to our day three, which was our final day with the kids, which was the most intense day. And we structured it that way. So by the time they got to day three, they had already rehearsed for two days. They already had two days shooting. So they're four days in. Now on day five, now we're asking them for these more in intense emotions. So it was a lot of that. And we wouldn't tell them when we would roll. So we would just start the scene and Pharrell was kind of in on that with us. And a lot of times they were just feeding off of her energy and tried to capture as much of it as we could. <laughs> it sounds like a great approach and it shows up on the screen. It really feels authentic for anybody who's either gone to a public school or sat in on a, you know, an elementary yeah. school classroom. It feels very authentic. Thank you. The film's got great pacing, editing style, and all that complements, you know, the great work that we see on screen with the cinematography, the production design. It's all really well executed top to bottom. Wow, thank you. When I watched it, I was like, "Man, this this guy really knows how to work with a team." 
And then I saw that you had an AD background and I was like, <laughs> bingo, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that explains it. Talk to us a little bit about, well, I mean, I guess you kind of did right there. Like that is a great exercise to not only get your cast involved, but get the entire crew involved. What has helped you from your AD career in your writing and directing career? Great question. The first thing I realized when I started making my own films was that I did not know how to relate to actors whatsoever. I was still kind of viewing it in that AD actor dynamic. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like actors used to kind of annoy me. (laughs) They were like, they were an unpredictable part of every day that I felt should be predictable. Like there's all kinds of things that get thrown at you as an AD, but I felt like, hey, we're all professionals. We're all here to do a job, regardless of the side of the camera that you're on. And then you have these like wild cards. But then when I started directing, I realized like so much of directing, like I'm telling my story through these people. And I'll give you a quick story. Long, long time ago, I'm in downtown LA, middle of the summer. It's, I don't know, 95 degrees. We're on the rooftop of this building. And I think it was a a car commercial or something. I don't remember. But um, I'm a PA and I'm holding an umbrella. And the first AD tells me, make sure you cover the talent with the umbrella. Right. And the umbrella is only big enough. There's like two leads in this thing. They're standing next to each other. There's only enough <laughs> umbrella space for these two actors. And I'm like, okay. And I got really mad. Like I'm out here burning and I'm bald, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm burning and, you know, and I'm holding this thing for them and they don't even seem that appreciative. Right. And I was pissed. So I did it, you know, and then afterwards I remember talking to the AD and he's like, no, no, no you have to understand, like, that's what we're putting on film like that that's that's what we're filming like if they get sunburned if they get dehydrated if they can't work like nobody else here has a job i'm like okay or even if they're crabby like you can yeah it it can show up on screen yeah exactly and so i think that was kind of my first like oh okay that's that's interesting i was just thinking about it from one angle you gave me a different one okay interesting but then when I started directing, I'm like, okay, it's that plus so much more. Like mm-hmm. you you are asking as a, a writer and director, you are asking these people to experience the craziness you thought of in your head. You are asking them to live it. And in this film, I'm asking Pharrell to go through some very intense emotions. And she is so committed and so talented. She is going through very close to what we have described. And it is completely not her fault. Like... Derek and I wrote the script. We created this situation and she's living it. And so I think the first thing to go back to your question, the first thing was kind of unlearning some stuff. Yeah. Was like, hey, wait a minute. This is a different relationship. I'm asking different things. And if I'm going to be effective in directing actors, I need to really empathize with what they are going through and what I'm asking them to go through. And so part of the reason one, two, three was so difficult was because I went through a lot of those emotions too. Same with the kids. Like I feel like I need to be emotionally right there with them so that they understand like this, this person is willing to commit in the same way that they're asking me to. And then the other just hard skills, it's like, yeah, I'm very realistic. When Marissa, our AD on this, was like, we need to move on. I was pretty good about moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, you know, just being very practical. Like, how can we make the most of our time? You know, it's ambitious. So what can we do? How can we create an environment? I think it goes back to that. Uh, Now, instead of looking at efficiency in terms of like, well, if we shoot this shot before that shot, that's more efficient because of X, Y, and Z. I look at it that plus okay, how can we build an environment? I'm willing to spend 20 minutes up front every day to create an environment where we can get the best performances, not only because I want that for the film, but it's also the most efficient, right? Like now we don't need to do five more takes because we already got it. Let's get on to the next thing. 
So I think it's it's that. It's it's all just kind of building on one another. It's definitely a helpful background to have coming into directing my own stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, you're off to a great start, my friend. I'm excited to see what you got next. Oh, man, I could talk about this movie for another hour, but unfortunately, <laughs> we have to uh, take a break. Tell the audience where they can find you, where they can follow you real quick. Okay, so I'm primarily on Instagram. My personal Instagram is G 80 and then my production company Instagram is Waterlight films on Instagram and then I think Twitter is pretty much the same at least for my personal account those are the main places to reach me awesome and you could watch Emil's film one two three all eyes on me at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival starting August 4th at LADFF.com it will be a part of the her story block we're going to take a quick break and when we come back Emil's going to help us out with our favorite segment give me three The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival will be available to a worldwide audience this year. Due to the global pandemic, our annual in-person event is postponed, but you can still view our incredible program online. From August 4th through August 31st, visit LADFF.com to rent our curated film blocks, or you can buy a VIP pass which gives you access to our entire program for the month. We have over 50 films from 17 different countries. Comedy, thriller, drama, musicals, docs, we've got something for everybody. So check out the 7th Annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival starting August 4th exclusively at LADFF.com. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are here with director Emil Gallardo. He is going to give us three films, or in this case, he's got some TV recommendations as well. Three choices that have inspired him and inspired his work. Emil, let's get your first one. Okay, so the first one, and these are all, all three are pretty recent. So the first one is Honey Boy, the Shia LaBeouf film. Mm -hmm. Speaking of child actors, yeah, that kid, Noah... I forget how to say his last name, Jupe or something. Yeah. That, that kid's off to a hell of a start to his career. He definitely is. Yeah. I really, really dug Honey Boy as well. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because uh, today's news was about um, Tax Collector, the new David Ayer film, uh, which stars Shia LaBeouf. Mm. I don't know if you want to get into that, but uh, that's an interesting film for a few different reasons too. Yeah. But Shia LaBeouf is interesting and I recommend this film. And it's been inspiring just because, I mean, a lot of things, the dialogue, the story itself. I mean, I think I kind of grew up with an abusive father, but the abuse portrayed in this film is very different in terms of him being mostly like a, an emotionally abusive father. And I think that we haven't seen that as much. And it was really interesting and obviously heartbreaking. You could tell it was coming from a very, very real place. And, and that's what I appreciated about it most. Absolutely. Yeah. You could actually get a sense of the depth and why stuff like this can happen as sad as it is. Exactly. Excellent choice. Honey boy, if you guys haven't seen it yet, check it out. I think it is available on Amazon Prime for it streaming. Is. Cool. Yeah, it is. All right, sir, your second one. Okay, second one would be the Waco miniseries currently on Netflix. Excellent, in my opinion. The reason why it was inspiring and I would also recommend it is because, so first I remember the real incident and I remembered how it ended. So I was a little less interested in watching the miniseries because I knew the ending. So I gave it a shot and then I get into the first episode episode and a half and i'm like ah, man this is so good <laughs> 
And they managed to create something so compelling while I knew the ending. But the main reason I love it is just because it's a very balanced story, meaning David Koresh, the Branch Davidian leader, isn't just portrayed as this pure fanatic who's crazy and you know has no grasp on reality. He's more than that. He's charismatic. He's intelligent. He's caring. And then on the flip side with law enforcement from ATF and the FBI, they're not portrayed as just these heroic guys that you know are here to save the day. And they're also not just portrayed as like purely evil, these you know authoritarian, like militaristic, violent guys either. Like there's a mix on both sides. And I love the show because it's it presents a lot of arguments and reasons that are conflicting, but they're all kind of valid in their own right. And it was just very compelling and interesting for those reasons. Nice. I'm going to have to check it out. I have I have not seen it. And I remember when it came out and I was like, hmm, I might check that out. And then just because there's such an abundance of content <laughs> these days, yeah, yeah, right. I got, you know, lost in the queue. But thank you for bringing it up again, because now I'm going to make sure to put it to the top of my queue again. Yeah, highly recommend it. Cool. And your third and final, sir. Okay, the third one would be Succession. I love that show. <laughs> Uh, And that is on HBO, for those who haven't seen it. And I, again, haven't seen that one. I'm a very slow show watcher. I watch one, maybe two shows at once, you know, at at any given time. Like, I devour movies like nobody's business. But with television shows, I'm very, very slow. But Succession, you're about the 42nd person who's recommended it to me. So (laughs) it's... I have to watch it. What I love is when I watch something and I'm like, man, I'm like, my skill set is nowhere near that. Like from a <laughs> writing and a directing standpoint, I'm like, man, one day. Cause and I love that feeling. I love watching stuff like that where it's yeah. just like, I got a I got a long way to go. Like that's why I want to be that good. So that show just like, you know, it creates that feeling pretty much every episode. It just gives me something to aspire to. I'll spend as much time as you have talking about it. I love that show for like 10 different reasons. Um, But yeah, highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. Cool. Well, I'm happy that you gave, you know, some that I haven't seen. That way I can expand my watch list. Thank you, sir, for your three. And thank you for making a really incredible film. It was very, very easy for me to program your film. And thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you and Sonia so much for having me and just for creating a festival like this. I definitely think it's helpful and we need more and more like this and just for all of our communities to come together. So I'm honored to be here and thank you for having me. You got it, brother. Starting August 4th, you can see one, two, three, all eyes on me at LADFF.com. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time. <laughs>